0: Perhaps you read once long ago that classic management book, The Fifth Discipline, by Peter Singe, which focuses on the importance of integrity and vision, especially among leaders. One of the vignettes he paints in that book is the scene from the movie Spartacus. If you don't remember either the movie Spartacus or the book The Fifth Discipline, let me recount that scene for you. Spartacus is living about 70 years before the time of Jesus. He is a slave in Rome, but also has been trained as a gladiator. And he organizes a very successful slave revolt. Twice, they are successful in challenging the government, but eventually the Roman legions squash the revolt, and they are all imprisoned. At that point, the Roman general, Marcus Crassus, announces that he will execute Spartacus. But he has a problem. He has never met Spartacus, and so when he walks into the prison and looks at all of those slaves that have been captured, he does not recognize him. And so he speaks to all the slaves, saying, you have been slaves, you will be slaves again, but you will be spared your rightful punishment of crucifixion By the mercy of the Roman legions, if you will just hand over to me Spartacus. And immediately Spartacus rises. He's noble, full of integrity, and he says, I am Spartacus. He wants to spare his comrades, but immediately the slave standing next to him rises and says, I am Spartacus, and the next, and the next, and the next, until they all rise, claiming to be the real Spartacus. How do people cultivate that kind of courageous integrity, not only for themselves, but for a whole group of people? Today's scripture lesson from Luke is what we call the Sermon on the Plain. It's the conclusion of Luke's passage where Jesus has spoken with the people on the plain, and these are his final verses. This Sermon on the Plain in Luke is very similar to Matthew's sermon on the mount, except for Luke's sermon is much abbreviated because you see Luke's congregation made it to brunch earlier than did Matthew's congregation. So we can conclude that the few verses that Luke chose to keep in the sermon are very important to him. And so these passages, these sayings that were read about integrity matter. In fact, it seems to me that This passage reads a little bit more like a business textbook than it does scripture. It's very direct and straightforward. Practice what you preach. Align your actions with your words. Jesus speaks to the congregation that day directly, saying, if you want your house to withstand a storm, build it on solid rock. And everyone knows that a good tree produces good fruit. And don't you dare try to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye when you've got that big log in your own. Jesus confronts those who gather to hear his sermon, calling them very directly hypocrites. And hypocrites is a word from Greek theater meaning to wear a mask or to be a stage performer. And so Jesus is saying to the gathered community that day that we're not to be performers, we're not to be pretenders. Rather, we're called to live lives of authenticity and integrity. But boy, we fail. You read the headlines. You know about the political scandals, about the business leader failures, about the sins of the religious establishment. You know that one who advocates for civil rights also wore blackface. That one who advocates for women's rights also abused women. That one who seeks to enforce illegal immigration also hires undocumented workers that one who preaches fidelity has been mired in affairs and cover-ups of those affairs. Sometimes it's just impossible to keep up with the latest scandals. There are so many coming at us so quickly, but actually we don't have to read the news in order to know that we fail at integrity. If you're a parent, you perhaps have had that experience of teaching your children about the evils of sugar and then them asking you, why are you drinking that Coke? Isn't that mostly sugar? Or if you're a teacher, perhaps you've had the experience of your students correcting your grammar. Or if you're a manager at the office, you watch your own ethical conduct knowing that your employees are watching you. To be a hypocrite is to be blind to one's own flaws and all of us are to some extent. William Sloan Coffin once said, Christians are always the best argument against Christianity. We all have moments when we are simply play-acting or going through the motions of being a Christian. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs illustrates this human dilemma of being unable to gain perspective on our own lives. And he quotes that philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein, who once said that the aim of philosophy was to show the fly how to get out of the bottle. And the philosopher recounts how a fly becomes trapped in a bottle and searches for a way out, but repeatedly bangs its head against the sides of the bottle until it dies of exhaustion when all along it simply needed to look up. Sometimes you and I are like that fly. We just can't see a way out. We don't have the insight we need to reflect on our own lives, our own situations. And so we keep running into the same walls. It is so hard to see the log in our own eyes. It is difficult to become people of integrity. Jesus suggests that it begins with our hearts. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, says the text. A good tree produces good fruit. A strong foundation withstands the storm, and so there are hints that there is something about our inner core that really matters here in creating lives of integrity. My sister-in-law, Deb Herman, served as the vice president of a division of Cummins Engine. It was a Fortune 500 company at that time, and when she took the job, she had exactly six months to complete a very important assignment. She had to learn how to completely take apart an engine and put it completely back together perfectly. Everyone in the corporate office had to complete this task. Cummins Engine, at that time, had customers in 160 countries, 10 billion in sales, and it was profoundly shaped by its president, J. Irwin Miller. J. Irwin Miller became involved with Cummins when he was just a young boy. And he was acquainted with a man named Klessy Cummins, who had been their family's chauffeur. Klessy was tinkering around with engines in their garage. He eventually started this engine company. And I can just imagine J. Irwin Miller as the CEO of this company looking back and remembering the humble beginnings of just tinkering around with engines in the garage. J. Irwin Miller, who was a very strong business leader, was also a leader in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, our denomination. He was a leader especially in Indiana but all across the United States as he helped to found and was the first president of the National Council of Churches. In that role with the National Council, he represented congregations across this land who were working together to enact civil rights legislation in this country. In the book, Doing Virtuous Business, we are told that J. Irwin Miller did many things to align his actions with his beliefs, with his faith. For example, in the 1930s, he supported the formation of a union at Cummins Engine, which was an anathema at that time. And in the 1970s, he closed a plant that they had in South Africa because the regime there refused to integrate the workforce. Even after he retired, he risked controversy by helping to advocate for his company to provide benefits to domestic partners of their employees. Over and over and over again, he chose justice before profits. But how do people develop that kind of integrity? I mean, integrity, really, it's the conventional wisdom, isn't it? And I suppose that the conventional wisdom is that in order to develop it, we should simply try harder. Frankly, Jesus in this passage does not give us the how-to. He doesn't really tell us how to do it. But we can look not just at Jesus' words, but at his actions for clues. When Jesus offers these lessons on integrity in the corresponding gospel of Matthew, he is standing way up top on the mountain. Matthew wants the reader and the listener to see Jesus as the new Moses, as kind of a new set of Ten Commandments being handed down, ways to live, But in Luke, Jesus comes down from the mountain and stands on the plain because Luke's concern is not for us to see Jesus like Moses, but to see Jesus like us, one of us, among us. Jesus coming down on our level. Jesus that day on the sermon on the plain He could look into their picnic baskets and see what they had brought to eat. He could smell their body odor. He was bumping up against those dishonest tax collectors and those shady politicians and those ordinary moms and dads just trying to raise their kids. And something happens when we step down and enter into the pain of real life with people around us. Coach Bob McKillop knows this well. Coach Bob McKillop is a highly regarded basketball coach in North Carolina at Davidson. You may not remember the team or the coach, but they have played KU in some close games, even beating KU a time or two. Last summer, this coach decided to take his basketball team on a trip. On the entire trip, they did not even plan to touch a basketball one time but the coach knew that this trip would shape his team forever as it had shaped his own life when he experienced the trip. He took the basketball team to tour the concentration camps at Auschwitz. They would receive the tour from a survivor of the death camps. When he was explaining to reporters about why he wanted to take this trip, he said, our world needs leaders who aim to lead and to serve guided by humane instincts and creative and disciplined minds. We need advocates for and defenders of human dignity, and that is why we are going. He knew he knew that eventually each of the players would have this moment of being overcome with emotion, that the weight of it would be too heavy, and that they would have to lean on one another as a team he wrote that what keeps him alive after 29 years of coaching is knowing that our players are not just our players. They are human beings, and we are here to nurture and value their development. Taking a basketball team to Auschwitz? Now that's upside-down thinking, and it's just the way that Jesus lived, walking among those who knew suffering and opening himself up to the pain of the world jesus earns his integrity with you and with me by coming down on the plain among us and loving us for among us his hearts become one with our hearts when his love for us is severely tested when he is arrested and imprisoned and sent to a cross Jesus refuses to compromise his own integrity. When they shout to him, save yourself, when they taunt him, he maintains his complete integrity. He could have escaped, he could have ascended, but his heart belonged to God and to us, and so in those moments, he remains silent. Jesus embodies integrity. And he invites us to come along with him when he says, a student is not above the teachers. We too can step out into the plane. You know, it's popular today to shout at the the referee, to question the call of the line judge. It is common to go to the stadium and see someone shake their fist at the umpire. You see it even at children's soccer games and especially at professional football games. But do you remember that game with the Detroit Tigers back in 2010 when Armando Galarraga was on the verge of pitching a perfect game? It would have been the 21st perfect game in baseball history. Peter Marty reminded me of this particular game in a recent column. He tells that just when the game was about to be the 21st perfect game that the umpire, Jim Joyce, made a mistake. He called someone safe at first base and after the game, Jim Joyce, the umpire, was devastated. He knew that he had made a huge mistake and that it was a historic mistake, but the pitcher, Galarraga, stepped out into the plane. He hugged the umpire Both men had tears in their eyes, and they both agreed that all of us fall short. And the two men wrote a book together called Nobody's Perfect. Two men, one call, and a game for baseball history. Humility is the gateway to integrity. Sometimes it's illogical. It is not exactly the conventional wisdom But there on the plane, amongst the reality of life's brokenness, our hearts are changed. Our lives, too, are turned upside down.